too. <clears throat> this evening before church, Chris was preparing all the slides and doing everything, and, and he looks at me and says, wow, this is a short sermon. <laughs> I said, well, I, I kind of I planned on that because I knew Larry would be talking. And, and um, so anyway, uh, hopefully this will be a short sermon. <clears throat> you know, I've said that before and it doesn't matter. <clears throat> you, you know what it means when a, when a pastor looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Job chapter 2. Um, in Job chapter 1, we saw Job lose everything. The, the, the ox, the asses, the sheep, the camels, the servants, his children. He lost everything. And <clears throat> we've, we've been talking for the last several weeks about the emotional pain that all of that brought into the life of Mo, uh, Moses. Where, where in the world did that come from? Uh, into the life of Job. Last week, we, or two weeks ago, we, we touched on chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. 1 through 8, well, let, let's, let, let's, let's, look at, let's look at verse 7. <clears throat> so when Satan, uh, so when Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sores, boils from the sole of his feet unto the sole, or uh, unto his crown. So here we see Job not only under extreme emotional pain by losing everything and, and literally everybody other than his wife. Now we see extreme physical pain. And we talked at great length a couple of weeks ago about the, the type of pain that this would have been. It would have been incredibly painful. Tonight I want to talk about extreme humiliation. We see in verse 8, And he took him uh, a potsherd and scraped himself withal, and, and, he, and, and he sat down among the ashes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for all that you do in our hearts and lives. And Lord, as we look at this incredible man, Job, uh, we ask that you would uh, speak to our hearts. And Lord, help us to see and to know uh, the reality that oftentimes eludes us, and that is the fact that you are always in control. Uh, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So here we see the extreme emotional pain, the extreme physical pain, and now we see extreme humiliation. And you say, okay, I see not a whole lot of humiliation here. Okay, you have to understand, Job at this time, when Job, Job won one, Job is probably the richest man on the face of the earth. And he literally goes from living in a, in a mansion, if you would, and the reference here to the to uh, uh, to he sat down among the ashes is is he literally transitioned from living in a mansion to sitting at the city dump scraping his sores. Can you imagine the humiliation? 
we, we talked about, and, and we'll, we'll look at uh, probably next week, about the fact that Job's friends, he was, his body was so distorted by these sores that his friends did not even recognize him. And he's sitting on an ash pile at the city dump, scraping the sores. Extreme humiliation. And we can see that Satan is, is, is not pulling any punches. He is, he is literally flooding this man with as much grief and trial as physically and humanly possible. And then we have verse 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine in integrity? Curse God and die. Now, <laughs> the key word in verse 9 is the word, at least to me, is the word then. See, you've, you've got all of this stuff that's happened. He's lost everything. He's, he's in incredible pain. He's in a, a, a extreme humiliation. Then. Now, did, be, I want to be really careful how I say this. <clears throat> Before you start to criticize his wife, See, unfortunately, we know the story, do we not? We know the conversation that God and Satan had. D did she? No. All she can do is look at what has happened. He's lost everything. He's in pain that is beyond measure. He has absolutely been humiliated. And so before we start to criticize her, and, and I've, heard, I've heard preachers go off on this woman. And the reality is this. She only says what the majority of us would have been thinking had we been there. It is really important that we understand where the breakdown happens. My sermon tonight, very cleverly, is Job's wife. Aren't you proud of me? You know, hey, that took me all of 20 seconds to come up with. <clears throat> Job's wife. And here we see her uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, telling Job to do the unthinkable. Point number one, her reasoning. Let me share some thoughts about her. Now, there are two verses in the Bible that talk about Job's wife. We just read one, and, the, and then uh, verse 10 is the, is the next one. So verses 9 and 10 are the only time she's mentioned in Scripture. So again, we, we have not a lot to base our opinions on. But there are some assumptions that we can, can, can conclude that I believe to be very accurate. Number one is that her faith had been shaken. Do you think that your life would, that, that you, you, how many of us 
believe in our hearts that we would have been able to go through what Job had gone through and our faith not been shaken? No, we'd all be guilty of that one. Job is an extremely um, faithful man who had the ability to understand that his trust was in God, not in his things. So we can, we can definitely say that her faith had been shaken. Number two, I don't believe that she believed God was a loving God anymore. After seeing everything stripped away from Job and, and her, and to see her husband sitting at the city dump in, in excruciating pain, How many of you wives could honestly say if that had happened to your husband, you would be able to stand there and say, you know what, God still loves you, buddy. I don't think so. She had had lost the fact that God still loved Job. She She was looking through what I call the fair and unfair lenses. How many times have you been in situations and these words come rolling off your tongue. It's not fair. Well, I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter. What is fair in life? Nothing. But the problem is she is filtering everything that's happening through this fair or unfair lens and i can i can honestly see her saying to her to her husband hey you know what you have been faithful for all these years and this is what you get you know how i know she has said that well how she probably said that at least because i've heard people say that Look Look what I've done, God. And this is what I get? <clears throat> as, as though God needs us for anything. And her reasoning for her statement was based on the fact it's not fair. A worldly thinking person has no ability to process the spiritual. Let let, let me say that again. A worldly thinking person has no ability to process the spiritual. Now, question. Can a saved person have a worldly mindset? Absolutely. But when we, as believers in Jesus Christ, allow the world and the filters of the world to influence our thinking, then we've got big problems. The world thinks of three things. Give, get, and reward. What's in it for me? You know, okay, I'll give, but what am I going to get out of it? See, that is not how a spiritual, spiritually minded person should think. What is the what is the mindset of a what should be the mindset of a spiritual person? 
I give because it's right. Point number two, let's talk about her recommendation. And I'm I'm trying to hurry here. Her recommendation. Her recommendation to Job, very simply, is to curse God and die. And we think, oh, how could she say such a thing? But I'm here to tell you that is exactly what the world says today. Recommending suicide is exactly the philosophy of the world. Nationally, the suicide rate has increased 25.4% from from, from 1999 to 2016, with nearly every state in the the United States experiencing increases during this period. There were more than 44,000, almost 45,000 deaths by suicide in 2016. The suicide rate among Nevada children and teenagers nearly doubled between 2017 and 2018. What does the world say? It's not fair. Just end it all. Well, I'm here to tell you, you cannot filter your life through the lens of fair and unfair. I got a question for you. I don't know if you've ever pondered this, but was she necessarily being mean and hateful when she said that? No, at him. And just said it. Get it over, man. I, I hate to see you in this kind of pain. Now, we don't know, we don't know, we're not given her motivation. We don't know. But I think it's a very good possibility. She's she's like, dude, just just get it over with. Is that not what our world tells us? Oh, you'd be you'd be better off to just end it, get it over with. How very sad. And I'm here to tell you, uh, because what does the Bible call suicide, by the way? Murder. It's actually called self-murder. And that's never the answer. So her recommendation was one of just end it all, get it over with. Number three, look at his response. I love his response. Look at verse 10. But he said unto her, Thou speakest one as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall, shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? <clears throat> In all this did not Job sin with his lips. He does something here that is beyond my ability to comprehend. I, 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 as most of you know, I had knee surgery uh, on Tuesday. So that meant 
Wednesday and Thursday, I, I was feeling it, okay? I can't tell you how many times I bit my wife's head off. And you all know, you're all guilty of it too, okay? She smart-mouthed me, I, I, I smart-mouthed back, and here we go. <clears throat> he doesn't do that. Now, now, now get this. Here he, he's lost everything. He, he's in, in such incredible pain, he can barely stand it. He has been humiliated beyond belief, and his wife just told him to commit suicide. And what does he say? He doesn't stick his finger in his face and say, shut up, woman. He doesn't do that. He says, you know what? You sound like, you sound like the infidels and idolaters. That's not how we think. That's not how we talk. He doesn't reprimand her. Even in all of this, he's still trying to teach her and push her to the cross. What an incredible man. She never learned what he learned when he said in verse in chapter 1, verse 21, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. And the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What does he say to her? He says, you know what? Are, are we only supposed to get good things in life? You know, the reality is sometimes... Life happens. Sometimes we get stuck when we don't want to. Sometimes life happens. But how do we react? <clears throat> and I want to I want to stop here and I want to RC Sproul or excuse me. CH Spurgeon, I I'm getting too close mixed up. CH Spurgeon wrote this. It is always the Holy Spirit's work to turn our eyes away from self to Jesus. But Satan's work is just the opposite. He is constantly trying to make us <clears throat> look at ourselves instead of Christ. And that is exactly what she had allowed to happen in her life. I want to I want to take before I go any further I, I I missed something here I want to I want to read this to you this I read I read something in the midst of my studies and I thought wow how incredible Ray Steadman wrote this and it it really it's just kind of a, a rabbit trail here but I, I wanted to share this with you because the, what he wrote is is incredibly true and accurate. He says, I don't know if women fully understand how much their husbands depend on them. I think husbands often draw emotional strength from their wives far more than even uh, far more than either they or their wives realize. Here was a severe attack addressed to a very to the very soul of Job, in which his wife abandoned him advocating that he turn from his faith and renounce God. Women, I want to say this. 
you have an incredible impact in the lives of your husbands. Be careful how you use that influence. She was not wise in the way she used that influence. Can you imagine how much different this story would have been had she come to him, put her arms around him and said, Honey, I love you. But she didn't. And then finally, I just want to I wanna look at Job's righteousness. Job's righteousness. In verse 10, <clears throat> at the very end, it says, In all this did not Job sin with his lamps. There's really not a whole lot that can be said more. What an incredible man of faith who had the ability to not filter everything that was going on in his life through the lens of being fair or unfair. You know, I have had multiple people <clears throat> come to me <clears throat> with problems and different things, and and I, you know, I sit down and talk with them and and about their faith and different things, and they say, "Well, we'll stop right there, Pastor. Just just stop right there." You know, I, I've tried this God thing before, and it doesn't work for me. <clears throat> Anybody ever heard that before? Well, what's the problem with that? The problem with that <clears throat> is they want God on their terms, not not his terms. And they're trying to filter their life through this fair and unfair lens, if you would. And the the, the reality is life is just not always fair. Life is always going to throw us curveballs, is it not? And as we look at this, the life, of, the, the life of Job's wife, only mentioned in these two verses, we see a lady who I believe honestly loved her, wife, loved her husband, but had lost her focus. And so often, so often, we allow the circumstances of life to dictate our focus. We can't do that. And Job understood that his joy and his happiness were not in his surroundings, were not in his health, but in the fact that he knew in his heart that he was not guilty of anything that his wife and soon-to-be his friends were going to accuse him of. He was a righteous man. 